it's challenging. It's challenging out there, uh, finding good deals. Mm -hmm. uh, but we continue to look for them and we underwrite pretty much every single day to the point where we've really mastered the skill of underwriting. But the point is like we, we don't give up. Welcome back, everyone, to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. Today, we are joined by Sage Investing Group, co-founded by Maggie Chang, Jin Wang, and Lana Choi. Currently, they have a collective portfolio of over 4,400 doors across nine different markets. Each started their respective careers with big four accounting firms and later transitioned to the private sector on Wall Street and the nonprofit sector the financial sector in Washington, DC. With a strong foundation in accounting, risk management, and real estate, Sage has the skill set to balance risks while identifying the best investment opportunities for their investors. Thank you all for being here and I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Andrew. So nice being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Likewise. So maybe um, if you guys could just go into your background a little and, and how you met each other and started working together. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, Maggie, Lana, and I, we are the trio that founded the Sage Investment Group. Um, and just to kind of get you guys to know us a little bit personally too, um, we do have a few things in common and I want to bring that out. <laughs> uh, so, and you know, these commonalities really helped us connect with each other in the very beginning uh, when we first met. So some very obvious things are that we are women, we are Asian, and um, we are about the same age as well. And if you meet us in person, you'll see that we're all about the same height as well. <laughs> so that's just to kind of help you guys get a picture of what we look like. Mm -hmm. um, so instantly, there's that bond that we have uh, between all of us. And so some not so obvious things uh, that we... Not so obvious. Some obvious things are that you know we all have a pretty insane work ethic. We all come from immigrant families, so we all have a pretty similar educational background, having majored in accounting, um, as Jarrett mentioned, and, and we all started working at the big four accounting firms by out of college. Mm -hmm. So we do all have the CPA background as well, and we live on the East Coast. So that's really nice to be in the same time zone. Yeah, that helps. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's great in terms of, you know, setting up calls and making sure that, you know, we're on the same page and... Uh, being able to connect pretty much every day. Um, so although we're really similar, um, we do, of course, had our own unique life experiences, uh, but we somehow kind of came to that same conclusion at about the same point in our lives that, you know, we really wanted something more out of life. We wanted the ability to just have more control uh, with our time um, and be able to feel more financially secure, mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, we don't have to depend on our paycheck um, to pay our bills, right? Right. Um, every single month. So, um, so anyways, that's what we kind of all kind of saw real estate um, as that vehicle to mm -hmm. help us reach those goals. Um, so there's just a little background behind kind of like why we formed our team and um, how we came to be. So, you know, each of us, we just have our own very unique story to tell about how we got into real estate, which I won't get into now. Um, because it's really long and it's probably going to take up the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, what we did come to realize is that we do need to invest in assets that create passive income 
And we also realized how so many of our friends and our family and colleagues, although they were massively successful, they were really too busy um, working with their family, with their social life, to really learn um, about how to put their money to work in a way that would set them up uh, for some financial protection if, God forbid, they ever lose their W-2 for any reason. So then we decided to join the Sage Investing Group. Uh, We all met through our mentor, uh, Think Multifamily. And Maggie and Lana knew each other before then, but that's how I met Maggie and Maggie introduced me to Lana. So anyways, we, after getting to know each other and finding out we have so much things in common and that we have really strong work, work, work ethics and same similar value, uh, we decided to form the Sage Investing Group, uh, really with a mission to simplify uh, real estate investing for busy professionals, much like we were. Um, who want to reap the benefits of real estate investing, but they don't really have the time or the knowledge to invest themselves actively. Uh, So right now, Maggie, she is um, serving as our acquisition lead. She's the one who goes out there and forms those relationships with the brokers um, in our target market and um, bring the deals to Lana, who is our lead underwriter. So she underwrites everything very conservatively. <laughs> and I know they often, you know, have to struggle over over that, but struggle over the underwriting and uh, figuring out where's the, I guess, right way to do it. Um, yeah, to make the deal work, but yet to stay conservative. And then I come in as the investor relations person. So that's essentially, I guess, Sage in a nutshell. <laughs> that's great. So basically... With Sage, I mean, you guys kind of help people, you know, busy professionals like you all were, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, help people get the tax advantages, cash flow that they would not be able to get with their full-time job or in the stock market, say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. So what, um, what would be your top strategy for creating passive income? This show is all about passive income. Uh, everyone seems to have a different strategy. What would be your guys' recommendation? Um, so for us, it's definitely in income producing properties. Um, as I had mentioned earlier, it's just investing in assets that would produce cash flow um, to pro- provide alternative sources of income if something should ever happen to W to the W-2 income. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, I started off investing in single families and then we moved on to a few duplexes. Um, but not before long, I learned about multifamily syndications. And so my whole investing strategy for producing that passive income switched from buying one property at a time to buying bigger apartment complexes, which let's just say cash flows better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. So you guys obviously have a lot of experience with real estate and investing. Uh, every investor usually has one bad moment or something didn't go quite right. Maybe you could expand on what that moment was and what you learned from that. Yeah, I can chime in on that one. Um, we, um, I think like maybe uh, six months ago, it's it really six months ago. Yeah, we were, uh, had, we had a deal, um, we wanted LOI and uh, we did, um, we had an early access. So we did due diligence, physical, physical, and then also financial. But the physical went up, turned out really fine. The asset was great. Uh, but financially, we discovered it was not as pretty as we and originally thought. Uh, after digging further and being auditors ourselves, we uncovered something that will, it's a little hairy. So we have to um, 
it was that one day in December, we just knew that we have to walk away. And it was a, it would have been our first deal. So that was a really hard to, to do, to walk away. Um, but I guess on the flip side, it's like you walk away knowing that it didn't enter into a, a deal that would have gone south. Yeah, exactly. So. And that's where your backgrounds come in a lot, especially with the auditing backgrounds. I mean, I'm sure that really helps. Now, early access for those, some people might not know what that means. If you could just explain what you mean by that, please. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so in a commercial property, we you have a ability to put an offer uh, and you can put in uh, a condition that you can go in as an early access to do your due diligence before you put in some earnest money, some risk capital uh, before it goes hard. Right. So you typically have like about 10 days to go in. You can uh, hire inspectors to go through, walk to each unit. You can have the ability to look in the, into the lease audit, do a lease audit, look at all the tenants and the leases on file. So there's, there's really an ability to kind of have a AI on the, on the ground and also on the financial of what you're getting into. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Great. So that's a great way to get in early. And you know, like you said, you can look at the deal and decide if you want to move forward or not. So that's a great strategy. And I think people are doing that more and more these days, it seems like as well, on the deals we've been looking at as well. <laughs> uh, now, if you guys could turn back time, uh, you all could turn back time to your 18-year-old self. What would you tell yourself at this point with everything you know now? Wow. <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think knowing what we know now, um, I, I would tell myself, Maggie and Lana's 18 year old self, I would say, you know, really invest your time and your money in yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, what really changed all of us is one, we found a great mentor, um, and, you know, to find a great mentor, essentially somebody who you admire, you look up to, they, you know, they're doing things that you think you might want to do in the future at 18. You might not know exactly what that is, right. but you know, just, um, somebody who, who's doing something that that's great, that's successful, that's, you know, impactful to the world, whatever it is that, you know, that you're interested in and just mm -hmm. follow them and, uh, get, to, get to know them and kind of go to the conferences that they go to. Because sure. I think it's so important to level up, right? And to really surround yourself with people who are better than you. And mm -hmm. that's going to help you kind of figure out your path as well. Yep. I agree. I say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? So yeah, definitely want to get that good peer group around you guys. And I'm sure it's benefited you three, you know, being together so much now and being like-minded as well. Yeah, it definitely helps to have the you know, have two other people to bounce ideas off of and to give us the motivation that we need to keep on moving. You know, once the deal doesn't go, go through, just to continue looking at more and more deals, just to keep on going. Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. that's how you're going to find that one deal. You got to keep on going. Yeah, that's right. So is there any daily habits that you all do to help keep you going? Say you, you, know, you don't get a deal, you're a little bummed out. What, what daily habits, you know, what foundation do you have that keeps you motivated, keeps you going? Um, let me see. So I guess for me, I have uh, my morning routine, which I think helps a lot. You know, when there is something that's just not going right and it's bugging the heck out of me, mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think the most important thing is the meditation. So I try to do that every morning, wake up early, do my meditation just to focus on myself and just bring me back into the presence and keep my mind from just wandering 
and thinking things that may not even be true, you know, (laughs) kind of control it and bring it back to the present. Uh, So for me, I think, you know, meditation to get myself in the right mindset is super important. Um, Something that I try to do every day and then a bit of physical activity, working out or whatever it is really does help to clear up the mind as well. So Mm -hmm. those are kind of like my, um, my two, two routines I, I do every day to really get myself to be present and do the best. Yeah. And, oh. Do you have any, Maggie? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm a little bit different than Jen. I'm sort of a night owl, so I don't have a morning routine per se, but I like to close my day with kind of a, a reflection of what is one thing that I did accomplish today. It could be something small, but just as something to make me feel better about before I, you know, hit the sack. Mm-hmm. What was one thing I accomplished today that I'm proud of, even if it's just no one knows it but me. Um, and then I use the opportunity to kind of say, okay, what's the one thing that I would want to accomplish tomorrow? And it's really just about taking one step forward, not thinking five steps or 10 steps in the future, because sometimes it can get so overwhelming. And in, especially right. in our business, you can mm-hmm. get you have your good days, certainly, but you have certainly a lot more bad days. And sometimes it's really hard to kind of go past the hurdle of a really bad day and kind of see what's your next step. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is just kind of take micro steps, break it down and see, okay, what's the one thing I can toss off my to-do list? And even if it's one of a hundred, at least I got that one thing done. Right. <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, you don't have people around you. It's kind of a very self-starter, self-motivated business. And you don't have people around you always patting your back saying, great job. You have to be sort of like your own cheerleader. And it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the one thing, one habit that I feel like helps me continue is just being that, you know, sort of self-pat on the back. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got that one thing done. Mm-hmm. Even if it was just getting up in the morning, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brush my teeth, oh, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, just something to to kind of keep myself motivated and going and reflecting not always on their bad things, which I tend to do as being the conservative person, but also the good things mm-hmm. I can, you know, yeah. Uh, I like, because uh, you did ask, like, because there are, tends to be a lot more bad and you're right, and especially when you're an entrepreneur. Um, I think the, the thing that's to keep me uh, and then a little bit different, um, I think when I'm used to taking back control, I had to make sure that I go back into control. So when I'm used to, when I was young, it was cleaning the house. It was just cleaning the house. It makes me oh feel you. better. <laughs> yeah. So so in, in this business, it is just pick it up the next deal and reveal it and underwrite it, call the broker again, just yep. get the next one, move on. Mm-hmm. So that was my, that's my, how I move, keep my momentum going and put your head down and go back to work. So. Yeah, those are great points. I totally agree with all of them. I, I do the reflection and the, and the meditation as well. Usually in the morning, I just got back from Miami actually. And we stayed on the beach for my sixth anniversary with my fiance. And I got up early and went on the beach. We did a little meditation, uh, like six in the morning, you know, sun is rising and just stack gratitude got in the ocean and swam around and just kind of reflected on, you know, what, what the future is going to bring. And, you know, I totally agree with all those. It's very important to do that and definitely keeps you motivated. So yeah, that's the best place to be to get meditation and with uh, your fiance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
So that's so funny because um, that's why I try to visualize myself, visualize myself being when I meditate. I'm like, I'm on the beach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's nice and calm. You can hear the waves. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I try to visualize myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little grounding, and you know, mm -hmm. it's great. So, yeah, we try to we try to get down there as often as we can, and definitely definitely helps keep you motivated. Yep. <laughs> so, now, how um how has passive income affected your family life for everybody? Have you noticed a, a big difference? You know, once you've kind of made that mindset switch from the W two to more investing, you know, passive income, cash flow. Have you noticed a difference with that? Um, I, I could share my experience. I, so I, you know, I, you hear people talk about it when I was, uh, had my W2. Um, I knew that I had to increase my passive income, but I think it's really like this year when I start realizing what it meant. Um, Cause my, my husband still has W2, but I think for one, uh, passive income actually alleviates some of the financial pressure that um, we feel. Mm -hmm. So even if he's, God forbid, he has out of the job, um, we still have income coming in. So that actually relieve a lot of pressure. Um, and then second, uh, it also gives me a little bit more, um, know, a little bit more, I guess, comfort knowing that money is still coming in when I'm sleeping or just, and I don't really have to wait until retirement to enjoy, uh, enjoy life uh, with my family. So mm -hmm. that's really what it is. Um, and you, it's it's true when you know when you're young you and you're broke you either you exchange your time for money so or you or you you exchange your money and invest it to give your some of your time back so that's right. what i feel right now so yeah that's a great point what was it? i think it's warren buffett says if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep you'll always you'll always be working or, or something along those lines yes uh, oh, yeah. i agree with that Yes. Yeah, you're right. I remember that quote. You'll be working till you die or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we understand the concept, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Is there any, um, any myth you guys want to debunk about our profession as, you know, capital raisers, syndicators, investors? What's something you guys usually uh, want to... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Um, that private investment is a scam. <laughs> you know, so like Bernie Madoff and all the big, um, big name. I can't even think of it right now, but there and are. Ron. Yes, and Ron. Yes, thank you. Um, that made our life really miserable at one point in time as auditors. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, unfortunately, there are, there are a few bad apples in the industry. And unfortunately, they are the ones who get the most coverage, media coverage. But I just, you know, I think... Uh, there is a lot of people that are, you know, genuinely just making, trying to, um, are, and in the business that are uh, good apples, you know, per se. They mm -hmm. are trying to, not just in the, um, making good returns for our investors, but also trying to change a community, turn a community around. So I think that's one thing that I, that's a big myth, I think, in this industry. You just have to find someone that you trust and, and go with it. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. And that's great. You guys have the background. You can kind of, you know, smell that out and see, you know, first, <laughs> I'm sure you've, <laughs> you've had plenty of experiences where you've seen things like that and now you're much more aware of it. So that's great. Yep. And that's I mean, mm -hmm. it's funny because we brought, we have a reputation 
of being deal killers because we all we try to look for where all the holes in the deal. Right. Because there's, <laughs> I mean, of course, there are great deals out there, but just as much as there's great deals, there's going to be inherently risks in no deal. So it's just second nature. I default to, okay, find all the risks <laughs> and how do I get myself comfortable with it? But mm-hmm. default, I mean, yeah, there's, so I don't know if that kind of answers. No, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's helpful to watch out for that, and people can sleep better knowing you guys are, you know, vetting these things before they put their hard-earned money in it. Absolutely. So, what um, what would be your number one takeaway you would want the audience to absorb from this episode? Hmm. Let's see. The number one takeaway here, I think, um, you know, so we've been underwriting deals for the past one and a half years. And we, I don't know if you know this, but we recently just got our first one. So congratulations. Thank you so much. We are closing on that um, next month, later next month. But we're super excited about that. And I think the main takeaway here is, um, you know, for us, it's uh, very, it's challenging. It's challenging out there. Uh, finding good deals, uh, mm-hmm. but we continue to look for them and we underwrite pretty much every single day to the point where we've really mastered the skill of underwriting. But the point is like, we we don't give up, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Lana and Maggie, I know they're out there. It's very frustrating for them to form these relationships, get these deals, but then to just see one deal after another go into the like, you know, the, the trash. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, but the you know it's amazing that after this much time, there are good deals out there, and you know by not giving up, we were able to finally successfully get our very first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we at this point really identify good people that we want to work with and that we want to partner up with, and so we have a really strong team going into this next deal together, which makes us even more confident about it. So mm-hmm. I think the thing is like don't give up, you know, but. Also, the other big takeaway is obviously try to find passive income. Try to find a way to invest your money smartly so that you can create passive income just for that extra level of security that you can build for yourself and for your family. Yeah, exactly. How many deals do you think you guys typically go through? You know, several, I'm sure, at this point of the cycle, right? To find that one deal. Maggie Lana, I mean, that would be. Thank God. I think officially on a tracker has been number 200-ish something. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. But most of it has been in in COVID during time. So that's when no deals works out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is a numbers game, right? It took um, us understanding the market, refining our underwriting, refining our assumptions, getting comfortable that we can support our pro forma base, like where we think we can project our, mm-hmm. um, you know, push, push the numbers a little bit. But it really is a numbers game. And in reality, it took underwriting 100, 150 deals before we landed our first one. And then I've always heard that, you know, once you hit that land our first one, it's like it almost the reverse happens. Things will come to you. But doing that first one is always the hardest. And it's, we're no exception. (laughs) We've been looking and chasing for that first deal for a year and a half. I mean, granted, it wasn't great that we started in 2020, right? (laughs) In in like January or February, I should say. 
Mm-hmm. Not great timing, um, but it was great because that was also a great time to you. Um, brokers were willing to pick up the phone with you and get to know you because they were also like, mm, I have a lot of time on my hands now. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to expand our network and, um, you know, reach out to people who normally wouldn't have the time to sit with us and connect with us. And so we use the time to solidify those networks, those foundations, mm-hmm. so that by the time the market was ready to open up, they knew us, they knew what our investment strategy was, they knew we knew how to look at the numbers and that we were legitimate and uh, we were serious. We were serious buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that certainly helped, but now it's, it's a numbers game and we're so excited and really hope to kind of confirm that. I hope it's not a myth that once you do your first deal, things come flowing to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Great points. You know, always, always underwriting, you know, reaching out and, it's a lot more work than people think. You know, that's the main main takeaway is a lot of time on the phone with brokers, underwriting. I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys could exaggerate that it's a lot of time. <laughs> you Lots know, of time. Deals, running yes. comps, you know, eventually, exactly. <laughs> Touring yeah. properties, flying out places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now you guys have the Sage Investor Circle. Uh, maybe you could expand on that a little bit. And I would recommend, you know, this is a great group of ladies here. Uh, very smart. Definitely sign up for their their you know newsletter and all the information they're putting out. But if you guys could just expand on what that is a little bit. Sure. So we have a uh, the Sage Investor Circle, and anyone can really sign up to be a part of our circle. And you will get newsletter, our quarterly newsletters. Uh, you'll get access um, to the blogs that we write, and we try to post monthly on a monthly basis. And we also get invitations to our bi-weekly educational webinar. And um, so those are some of the benefits, uh, as well as obviously access to us, to talk to us at any point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then to become a verified member of our Sage Investor Circle, we do encourage the Sage Investor Circle members to connect with us on the phone, to speak to us so that we can get to know them and to know what their investing goals are, you know what their experience is like, and really get to know them before we are able to share the deals uh, that we have with the verified members. Sure. Okay. Uh, now, can they go on your website and, and reach you as well? Or what would, is that your preferred method of contact is there? Or, you know, what should... Yeah, should I work? think the easiest way to reach us is to go to our website, uh, which you'll probably have. Um, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. So sageinvestmentsgroup.com. And there's a join now button where you can click on it and fill out some profile information uh, so that we know you a little bit and then that'll get you to be our Sage Investor Circle. And then you, once you connect with us via phone call, then we'll put you as a verified member. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Now we get into our five to thrive portion of the show. And I believe Maggie, you're taking this one. <laughs> <laughs> Got nominated. <laughs> so this is where it's a rapid fire. Uh, just I give you five words or phrases and... You just give me the first word or phrase that comes to mind, but you cannot repeat your answer. Okay. Ready? Go. Okay. (laughs) The first one is passive income. Multifamily. (laughs) 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 Courage. Um, Jen, Lana. (laughs) (laughs) Wealth. Time. Mm Mm-hmm. The first day you became a full-time investor. 
April 2018. Mm -hmm. And Sage Investing Group. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that last answer was not biased in any way. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you all so much for coming on. It was a pleasure and a great episode and very informational. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. So, <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you guys soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.